Um, we're, we're live, my man. Hey, welcome everyone. Thank you, Sports Dev Series. Our favorite guest is in the building again. <laughs> Straight out of Oakland, California. San welcome. Jose, California. Today. San Jose, my friend. Greater Bay Area, Sean. Uh, welcome, bro. Welcome, bro. Thank you, sir. So, um, you. yeah, before I hop into it, Sports Dev brought to you by Arao Baba Fruit Powder, um, the most nutritious substance on the planet. Comes from the fruit part of baobab trees that naturally dries on the tree while it is still being harvested. Uh, packed with vitamin C, antioxidants, fiber, calcium, magnesium, potassium, great electrolyte. Get yours from arewa baobab.com. That's A R E W A B A O B A B.com. And use the code word SPORT to get. A discount of 25% off, including free shipping anywhere in North America. Okay, thank you. My man, how are things in California? Well, we're here. It's starting the weather is starting to turn on us. So I'm sure me talking about cold weather here in California is probably not um, something you want to hear about being all the way over there in no. Canada, but no, no, not at all. For us, it's still cold and you know, anything anything below 70 degrees is freezing weather for us. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here today, right now is um, it's twenty eight right now, so it got really cold today. Yeah, that's those are temperatures we will never see here, and we, the moment we see that here, like the birds fly south, mm -hmm. we'll start flying south. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but you know what, uh, dude, man. Speaking of which, let's just let's try and get into stuff. We have Ballon d'Or coming up. Um, I think it's what is November 28th, 29th. Yeah. It's at the end of this week, definitely. Yeah, no, 29th of November, which is the end of this week, you're right. Um, you know, trying to see who wins. I was looking at the short list, man. They got you know, they got Aspilicueta, Barella from Inter, Benzema, Bonucci, De Bruyne, um, you know. Ruben Diaz from City, Fernandez, Foden. And, you know, I, for me, I started looking, I started listening. How did they pick all these players? First of all, outside of Salah, no other African player. Um, you know, Mane is not on there, which kind of surprised me. You know, I, I thought at the very least Mane would be on there. Um, but it's just Salah. But it, I started thinking, you know, how do, how do they pick these guys? You know, um, who votes these guys? I come to find out, a lot of the players... Oh, a lot of the people selected for Ballon d'Or, especially the winners, are from, or the nominees are from, um, you know, national teams, essentially FIFA federations. So people vote from these different federations for players to be on there. And the one thing that started getting me, I was thinking, I was like, I wonder how African teams vote. So if you're Niger or Liberia, you know you don't have any player that could possibly get nominated. What do you do? You just pick a player and vote randomly? I mean, I wonder how that works. Well, so with the to talk about the Ballon d'Or, it's, it's, it's probably a good idea to just go over the overall history background of the Ballon d'Or. So it's, it's a French um, football award, basically, right? I think mm -hmm. as of today, the French magazine L'Equipe is the main uh, purveyor of the collection of the votes. 
And I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, this, the Ballon d'Or has been around since ni- the 1950s. I want to say 1956 was the first time they actually um, gave the award. And mm-hmm. when the award was first created, it was really created in the spirit of European football. It wasn't a global award. It was created only to award the best European player of the year at the time. But it was called the Ballon d'Or. Right? So as you can imagine, if you look at the history of the, the list of winners, you'll see glaringly uh, missing names like those of Garincha and Pelé and Revellino and guys of that ilk and stature that ruled world football when it came to the World Cups in the 60s and 70s because, again, the award was not a world award. It was only a European-based award. And in, I think, sometime about 2000 and... okay. They changed the rules in 1995 to include anybody playing in Europe from any country of origin. And as you remember, this is when uh, one George Weah immediately won the award that very first year in 1995. George Weah from Liberia, of course, our own African brother. He remains to this day the only African that has ever won the award, but he was the first non-European to win the award. But of course, as soon as they opened it up to players playing in Europe, you started seeing names like Ronaldo, the real Ronaldo, they say. Uh, Ronaldo da Lima, I think, from Brazil, the number nine striker. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've seen basically Brazilians. Kaká, um, uh, Ronaldinho, uh, Rivaldo. Those guys all won the awards in those accompanying. And in the, in the years that have followed, it still, it still sort of has this European. It's a European-centric feel. Now, in 2007, I believe, again, don't quote me exactly on the dates, but somewhere around that region, they revised the rules again to say, okay, let's open it up to everybody from around the world. But you and I both know that football is Eurocentric. And <clears throat> the best players play in Europe, the best leagues are in Europe, so it, it'll, it will take moving of lots of earth and planets for somebody outside of a league in Europe to ever win or even get nominated for the Ballon d'Or. Now, interestingly, for about... Five years or so, up to about 2015, FIFA joined up with L'Equipe to now name the Ballon d'Or the FIFA Ballon d'Or. So for those years, FIFA's World Player of the Year and the Ballon d'Or were merged into one. Yeah, it was announced um, during the 2010 World Cup. Exactly. In South Africa. So, but at, yes. at the end of 2015, the association between FIFA and L'Equipe it was ended. Now, I don't know what the details are, but again, with my skeptical mind, anytime FIFA or anything happens with FIFA, I always think Mago Mago is in the midst of it all. But whatever the reason is, they decided to end their association. And now FIFA does what's called the world's best. They have their own award for the world's best. And while uh, the L'Equipe has decided to keep the format of Ballon d'Or, People still look at it as European Player of the Year, but then UEFA decided to actually just recently come up with their own award for European Best, so something similar to that. So UEFA Player of the Year. So a lot of times, as you may notice, that in a given year you have multiple people winning awards, and you're like, "What's going on?" With this? And then they just give it below. So this is the history of the Ballon d'Or and all that. Now, very interesting, and since I'm still talking about the history, uh, more very recently again. They decided to do, they said, let's go back and retroactively open it up to the entire world and go back and do a revote 
for all the Ballon Dior's that have been won over the years and go back retroactively and see, open it up to the rest of the world and now see who would have won it based on the opinions of all living Ballon Dior um, recipients. So they went and asked them to cast votes. So the only people that were asked to cast these votes were living Ballon d'Or recipients. And I think a couple of them, like uh, Stanley Matthews, who actually is the first first uh, recipient of the award, he's from England. Uh, he, he played, I think he played for Ipswich Town back in, he won in 1956. So we're talking about the old school, old school days. Uh, maybe a George Best was dead. Somebody, uh, four, about four of the, the Ballon d'Or recipients over time had passed. So it was only the remaining people. And this was very recently in the in the 2000s and 10s. And of course, you can imagine a guy like Pelé just populated the list for about six or seven years. But of course, the official winners still remain the ones that have received the award. They're not going back and, and moving it to them. So that's just a brief historical concept of Ballon d'Or. Now, you were mentioning something about uh, who they're nominating. Well, I mean, it's just like most awards in sports. You know, it's going to be centered around teams with wins. Yeah, and years where, and, and if you looked at the list of winners in years where there were World Cups, oftentimes the winners will come from the countries that won the World Cup. Or a very look, it's a very interesting historical read, man. I'm telling you, the years when you look at when AC when Italy, Italian league AC Milan and Juventus were ruling the world when. Back in our time when we were young boys and all we could think about was, ah, Serie A. Yeah, <laughs> that's the league. You know when the striker scored 20 goals in that league, you know he was a striker. George Ware came from there now. Mm-hmm. But between like 1995 through 1999, it was almost one, two, three. The first, the top three players were all either from Milan or Juventus. Italy, Italy, Italy. Netherlands has had one year where... All three of their players were the top three. I think it was Van Basten, Rijkaard, and, um, and Ruud Hulit, and uh, De Boer. You know, things like But all of them played in Italy, too, at that time. So it was yeah. just very interesting, Luis. Of course, you can the usual suspects will have the most winners, like the um, Real Madrid and Barcelona. I think both of them are tied for the most wins with 12 or something like that. You know, guys like Di Stefano from back in the day. There's even a Luis Suarez from Barcelona that won in the 60s. Where you look at it, you're like, ah, so they came and reincarnated Luis Suarez in the 2000s later. So very, 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 very interesting just going back through the history. Guys like Michel Platini have won it about three times um, and so on and so forth. Anyway, let me not take up all the time talking about that. But this historical perspective, at least on that Ballon d'Or. African man. <laughs> No day inside, though. <laughs> no, at all. At all, no day. You know, it's crazy. I mean, when you look at it, you're like, huh. Okay, Riyad Mahrez and uh, Mohamed Salah. That's about in, it. In today's football, Mahrez, Salah, and Isadio Mane. Those are the only guys representing at that level, upper echelon level, where players will win the Ballon d'Or. Because, again... That's the other part of the history of Ballon d'Or in recent times. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much just um, strikers. The, yeah. the occasional offensive midfielder who is scoring goals or producing goals or producing for goals. Guys like Iniesta uh, and Xavi. Those what's, were guys what's his are, name? Um, play for Juve. 
back in the day, he played for Italy in the um, 2006 World Cup. Oh, you're talking about the defender. He, um, defender, yeah. He won. He won FIFA best player, I believe. Or was no, Matarazzi. Matarazzi was the one that. No, 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 Matarazzi. I forgot his name. Cannavaro, yeah. Yeah. So, he uh, yeah, he he won he won the award uh, in 2000. Again, again, that's what I'm saying. Like the the World Cup all years always you know tend towards people that win the World Cup and do something really great. Goalkeepers hmm, don't really get much love. Uh, Dino Zoff is the last one I remember placing in even in the top three. I may be wrong about that because I, I, I didn't really look that in de- detail. But Lev Yashin is the last one to win it outright. The Russian, the famous you think, Russian. You think, you think Messi could win it again because of Copa America? Um, It's very possible. I mean, his name is on the list. Once Messi is on the list, the, there's a good chance he'll win. You know, like if you look at the, the – I mean, of course – uh, the history of football in the last twenty years is the history of Messi and Ronaldo. But if you look at if you look at uh, what do you call it? If you look at if you want to talk trophies, Jorginho has a strong case. You know, he's the only one to win European Championship and Champions League. Yeah. So didn't he win? Didn't he win an, an award? He won something. I don't even know what. But you know, he has a strong case. Mm-hmm. People who watch football will say, "Yeah, sure, he has." But <laughs> come on now. <laughs> Yeah, okay. this is why a guy like Messi will keep winning it. I think at some point people do get Messi and Ronaldo fatigue because they yeah. are nominated again. I think I think I think Messi fatigue is already there. Yeah, I mean Copa America. First of all, you want to talk Copa America? Fine, he won Copa America, but his team didn't go anywhere close to any European Championship. So, for me personally, the argument to give him this again. Especially when he's fallen out of form, Barca struggled. He ended up transferring out to PSG. It just doesn't seem to gel. Like the prior years, he where he wanted, no argument, man. The guy was just phenomenal. But not 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 this recent year. You know, Messi was totally not himself. His team was not itself. Kudos to Argentina, but that's about it. You know, um, if they give Mosala. I'll say, okay, they're trying to make up for the year where they really should have given him when Liverpool won, um, what do you call it? Won Champions League. Yeah, yeah. That was the time, you know, recently Liverpool didn't win anything. Although he's still, he's been consistent for years, but I think that's when they should have really given it to him. This recent piece here. Just, you know, you can make the argument to trophies, you know, um, no other player, I think, has won Champions League and Euro 2020. Um, you know. Yeah, but if, I don't want to so, give some, him. Some, some people made the argument that if Kante had won with France, they would have given him Ballon d'Or. You know. Um, I think Kante actually has a better case than Jorginho, in my opinion. Just, yeah. just from just from the eye test. But then again, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not going to begrudge. But honestly. And I watch a lot of football, a lot of the Premier League, a lot of, you know, Champions League. I will, I mean, of course, I understand Jorginho's importance to the influencing of the game. Mm-hmm. But I never once thought, oh, this is the world's best player this year. No, no, no. You know, and so I'm mean, just saying, you know, the, the one guy I would say, eh, Doc Horse. He, and last year, without a doubt, he, if, they, if they had given the award last year, which they didn't give because of COVID-2019, uh, disrupting the 2020 seasons like it did it was Lewandowski 
and he was way overdue to win it. So yeah, yeah. I honestly would not be opposed to him receiving it again this year because he's maintained that form. He's been far and away the best, most lethal striker in all of football. Let's just call a spade a spade. This award is a striker's award. If you score yeah. goals, that's that's what gives it to you. Because yeah. one could argue, like, even in Chelsea, I'm willing to argue that Eduard Mendy was more and made more of an impact than the Jorginho himself they're trying to give this Forster's award to. See, here's the thing about Jorginho, right? And, and to be honest with you, when he first came into Chelsea, I didn't even like him. I thought I thought he was actually on the field because what's his name was his guy and he came in from yeah so i was just like nah this guy but he's one of those players where you don't really see what he does when the game is going on but after after a while there were, there were a couple of games i said you know what let me watch this guy this guy does a lot he's he's one of those guys that's kind of like the heart of the team he yes. pumps the blood around, you know, and you wouldn't know if you're watching the game because he's not blasting in goals. He's not making these crazy runs with pace down the wing. You know, you watch it and you're like, uh, whatever. He takes good penalties. That's all you could really say about him if you're offensive minded. But this guy does so much. Control. Although he didn't miss that penalty that should have taken Italy to the World Cup. Yeah, he did. Blasted over the bar in the last minute. And now Italy has to go into the playoffs. So one. I mean, yeah. those things matter. If you're going to talk about that, then we need to talk about that part too. Now, what I what I don't know about the voting is when when the the cutoff is for your performances, you know. So that's the part that it seems a bit hazy to me, and I haven't ever really been able to get a definitive uh, description of that. So is it just last season's body of work, or yeah, was, yeah, is the most is the most recent season? Is that count? So if it's the most recent season, Messi counts. Messi's work. Messi might win it again. I wouldn't. And if he won it again, based off of last most recent season, going into Copa America, I have no problem with him winning it again. It'll be. It's what, did, what, did, what did he do in Europe, though? I understand the Copa America, but what did he do in Europe? He, his team didn't do anything. They were terrible last year. Yeah, they were. They were. I mean, but he individually did. He scored his goals, and not a lot of them, but because his team got knocked out. Well, Barcelona. Yeah, sucked. they got. They, they were. Ter- they, they were. They were a shadow of themselves last year, in and league, now, now, now they're in crisis. In league, he had probably as one of his more um, dominant seasons in league. The number of assists he, he led La Liga in goals and assists last year, becoming the first person to ever do that, or at least the first one to do that in a long time. You know what I mean? So. And if you when when you look at the team that we have, he drugged that team out of being a mid table, high mid table team to finish in in the top three in the first place, or top four. That's where they finished. So and you can see the dysfunction in Barcelona. I mean, once he left, I remember, of course we we expected that, but once he left, that team has crumbled completely. Yeah. You know, granted. So if you're talking about, if, I think I think some of what you're saying is is really putting Messi's current season into perspective and using it to judge him for the Ballon d'Or. But if we're going to use the previous season, Messi has a shout to win. Oh, yeah. If, 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 if you're looking at a total body of yeah. America and being the player of the tournament in Copa America. So yeah, like, if you're looking at a total body of work, no question about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, no one can even come close to him if you want to talk about that. But, you know, you have to, they use, you know, it's all about what have you done for me lately, right? It's, it's the, what you did the most recent season, which is why a lot of people were really pushing for this Jorginho thing because they were like, listen, no other player was able to do this. Um, I mean, hey, 
we'll see what happens end of the week it'd be interesting but as usual these guys will do what they do the one part that got me the win looking at the voting and they were saying you know different team captains and coaches from national teams vote and i was thinking to myself wait a second how does that work <laughs> you know what i'm saying like so if you're the national team coach for fiji you know and yeah, who, do you, who do you vote for? What do you think they're going to vote for? They'll vote for Messi or Ronaldo now. That's just the way it usually goes. It, that, it, this is why the Messi-Ronaldo debate has been a worldwide one, because it is Ballon d'Ors. Now, I mean, I'm, we, I'm not going to discount the fact that they don't do their homework. I mean, they watch football like you and I do, but they're also professionals. They have yeah. a, a keener eye than neither you or I could ever have because we never played at that level. So at the level they played at, who, who are we to poo-poo that? You know, hey. You know, that's why it's on that. But it's not just them voting alone. There's also the riders, European riders that are voting that watch these things. So it's it's a combination of the riders and national team uh, coaches and the captain. So, well, you know, I mean, I feel like that's actually a good way, a good balanced way to uh, to do it. it. But it's all always political. At the end that's, of the that's the point. Now. Yeah, it's the political part that I'm thinking about. And I'm just like, okay, hmm. If you're an African country, do you automatically vote for Salah? You know, um, I, you know, I don't know. I, and and, and Kono said Salah didn't deserve to win it. Why? What was his argument? He said he didn't win anything this last year, so that was his argument. So, yeah. well, but he, you know what gets me about that win anything thing, and that's uh, that's why I'll give some validity to to the point you made is that football is a team sport, man. You know, so if you're a player. And you pass the eye test and you have a phenomenal season. I mean, you just wrecked teams. Let's say you play for, I don't know, Leeds. But every time you played any of the top EPL teams, you were just a beast, you know? And you dominated and you did well all across the board, national team. Should you get ignored just because your team didn't win any major trophies? I don't I personally don't think so. I personally Yeah, it almost seems like it doesn't make any sense. You're, you're a good player, a good player. You know, you can't yeah, pick the but team again, you're I on think there, Therein lies those. So the the thing is, if you're in Fiji, like you say, not to not to pick on Fiji. <laughs> they have good players there, too. We right? love you, Fiji. We definitely do. I, I definitely love Fiji. Yeah. But in any case, um, what are you seeing on TV? You're seeing the, the top teams. You're in, you're in whatever country you're in. Mo mm -hmm. More than likely, you're always going to watch Real Madrid matches. You're always going to watch Barcelona matches, Manchester United matches, Manchester, and when those top teams, Bayern Munich, you may not watch any other German national team game, but you sure as heck are going to be watching the Bayern game. So you'll see Lewandowski time and time in Champions League. You know, you're seeing the best, the best, those, those guys that are on the top that are supposedly doing the winning, those guys are the ones that are getting seen worldwide mm -hmm. more than anybody else. And that matters. So, you know, fringe guys, they, they're going to get recognized by the recognition comes by even being on the ballot. And that's yeah. really where it goes. But for me, I always think like, you know, I mean, football, football is Eurocentric, but it does not mean they're not good players anywhere else. That's just right. the But the truth right. is, I think we all understand that it's the top of the, the food chain. That's where the best players usually go to food themselves because that's where the most money is at. So, I don't have any argument from saying, okay, it, must, it, it should be the guys in Europe unless somebody from outside of Europe does something that is supremely exceptional. But even that guy would be snatched up by a European country without a doubt in no time anyway. So. Exactly.
That's how it is. Anyways. It's all good, man. Um, so so we have the World Cup next year, man. Ah, um, World Cup Mundial. And you know, it's in Qatar. And World Cup mm-hmm. is not just about the games, it's about a party, it's about you know, people getting wasted, hammered, drinking, cussing our referees during the game. How's that going to work in Qatar? You know, well, I don't know how people how people how people <laughs> going to walk to the walk to the stadium with their bottles of beer, singling sing English fans singing their songs, you know, going in there, getting hammered and taking their shirts off in the stadium. How is that going to work, man? Me, I can tell you. I, I do know one thing. For me, I'm going to stay completely away from Qatar. It's not even in my consciousness to even go over there because what's the point of going over there? Is is Okay, look, and I, this is going to sound slightly unfair to the Qataris. Mess, mess around to get arrested. <laughs> but, but you know, and, I, and they are one of the more liberal of all those countries over there. But, I mean, I was reading on the what you should and shouldn't do. When you want to order a beer, you can't even say beer, right? You have to say something else, uh, bubbly for shampoo wine. It's, what? You have to use euphemisms to describe your drinking. Then FIFA is FIFA. I think you sent me that article where you were you were talking about, and I was reading some of it, and they're saying how FIFA is trying to offer packages where you can drink inside the stadium. And look at the excuse me, the exorbitant amounts of money. It's I've been to World Cups before, and one of the funs of being in the World Cup is just mingling with the fans. You're free. I will not feel safe in Qatar for apart from the obvious when we're just talking about the beer part. But in being in the Middle East with all those issues that Qatar has been having with Saudi Arabia. Yeah, man. And all the Oh, boy. Me, I will sit this one out completely. In fact, let me not even move on to what I was going to say because I think that's a topic for a different conversation altogether. But for me, yeah. I don't have any desire to go anywhere in there. It just it will feel so restrictive. You have to be in one little section just to drink. Just to drink. Because yeah. that article I read, they said you know, uh, designated area, stadium designated area or certain hotels where you can, so, so from the hotel to the stadium, Inko. I was wondering that too. So what's that? You know, if, if, if I want to hold my bottle of beer and drink it as I walk into the stadium and you know, my, 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 my intuition tells me that the Qataris might be a little smarter than just trying to enforce all their laws completely on people who are coming to do what they've done for 40 years or more. You know, the other thing too, is that we're talking about alcohol. That's just one part of it. And that's the other part. And I think the FIFA president just had to address that yesterday. As as a matter of fact, is the LGBTQ community. Uh, uh. That's the other part. They, that they don't play with that stuff out there. It's completely against the the religious edicts. Mm. And so if you're openly gay or lesbian, how would you feel going trying to go to that World Cup where they are completely telling you that you're going to get, you know, executed possibly or locked up? So all this points to really it's going to be interesting to see what kind of crowds we see at the World Cup. I'm, what I'm, about I'm, what about exposure? How do they what would they term in decent exposure? Because if, so if a girl, if a lady goes out there and feels like, hey, you know, it's hot as hell. I want to wear my cut off jeans shorts and my skimpy shirt can 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 she do that 
Is that allowed? Well, I, I don't know. But see, all, yeah. the fact that we're asking these questions leads us to another bigger question. Why on, on earth is Qatar the country that is hosting the World Cup? What's the point? It's, it's too it's too much restriction. It too just much. seems like we're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole, and the round hole doesn't even want us to, to, to fit the peg in there. There's no 100%. give for that. And we can, it just stinks of so much corruption, which we've seen that over the years where a lot of people have been indicted, people have been arrested by the uh, United States uh, federal agencies, where in linking it to the corruption level that we've seen in awarding the World Cup to Qatar. And then you start bringing up these points. First, they had to move the World Cup from summer to winter. It's not it's Christmas, and December. And yeah. now it's, it's the drinking, the number of deaths in the construction, which quite frankly happens all the time. But Slave still, labor, slave labor. It's just it's too much so, stuff that the World Cup itself almost feels like it's being forced upon us to go there. And, and I don't know if you've heard, they're having um, accommodation issues. So... Qatar, the national football team, has never ever qualified for any World Cup before. So you, it's it's just what's the football in pedigree? Even South Africa, when they gave it to him, you saw me argue they pitted Africa and gave it. But Africa has contributed to the world of football. World Cup. Yeah, yeah, hey. South Africa had been to the World Cup on at least two occasions prior to that that competition. So, yeah. you know, I don't know, my brother. Fever. I think I said this to you uh, moments earlier today. Fever is is just stinkingly corrupt man and that's that's just the modus operandi and it seems like all their bodies their adjunct bodies just copy they're like the head honcho in the corruption and the yeah. rest of the bodies just follow along the script of corruption you know what i would like to see when this uh world cup is over the attendance numbers compared to the prior world cups compared to you know germany and south africa and brazil and russia i'd like to see what that looks like because I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to bet you the, the numbers in, because the Qataris may fill it with their own people. They may give away free tickets. You understand? Or maybe tickets per international tickets purchase might be a better barometer. Maybe that's what. Maybe that's exactly yeah, what. Yeah, yeah. Because even the population in Qatar, you know, I don't foresee it being that much. There are not a lot of people there. You know, so most of the people that would go to most of these games would be people that traveled in, right? I mean. If you look at someone like Germany when they hosted the World Cup or South Africa or Brazil, you know, you knew for a fact, you know, you had droves of people flying in. This year, I'm not saying people will not, people will fly in, but in comparison, I wonder what that would look like. You know, um, it'd be interesting, man. We'll watch this space and see what happens, man. I mean, <laughs> it should be fun. I, I know they're having a lot of challenges, though, for sure. Yeah. Well, one thing I know is that somehow FIFA always seems to you know, pull it off. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the will watch because that's what we do. We watch football. And when football starts kicking off, all focus should be on it. That's, in my opinion, what it should be anyway. But hopefully there are no um, – I'm just praying. My biggest concern is being in that area, again, just not to sound politically incorrect, but the, the threat of you're going to a region that is known for violence and terrorism and you're taking a global game. It just, it just has all eyes on – if I were, you know, not to say, but I don't even want to put it out in the space, but it, I, I shudder. But then again, you could argue that it's the same sort of threat you get if you put it in Russia. But still, to me, yeah. you're in the cove, the enclave of where the, the majority of the radical Islamic radical terrorists operate from in that region. Yeah. I just see it as a soft target for them to do something during the World Cup. Yeah.
No, I, I feel you, man. It's, it's one of those things where you're like, hmm, I wonder. It's all good, man. We'll see what happens. Speaking of which, so our beloved Super Eagles have to deal with one of the following. Cameroon, Mali, DR Congo, Egypt, Ghana. Who would you prefer to play? Um, I, none of the, I, I can't pick any of those teams. I've told you my, I've said my, I've told you my opinion on multiple occasions. I do not believe currently based on what we've seen from the super Eagles that we can overcome any of those teams, all five of them, but whether it's DR Congo, which would be the lowest ranked team or followed by the Ghanaians, or did you say Cameroon and Egypt? There was one more on Mali. Let's, let's, let's bring all of them in order. Yeah. We, no matter how good we are, we seem to have a hard time beating them home and away. It just there's that mental block, the North African organization, whatever it is, or even us playing well. And they always seem that they have that one star player that we know he will score. He's going to score one goal, whether that goal is here in, in Nigeria or there in Egypt. He's going to score a goal. That's almost guaranteed. So the question, man, we are struggling to score. We're trying yeah. to score. We can't score. I'll come back to that. Uh, and they're, they, Egypt is not flashy. There's nothing spectacular about them. But the one thing they are is organized at the back. Uh, you know, they're gonna, they can lock that door. And with the patternless football that we've been displaying under uh, Coach Gernot Raw most for the last year and change, I just don't see us overcoming them, especially when we have to go to Egypt to go play them there. We will definitely give up goals in Egypt and probably give up goals in Lagos too. That We've been giving up goals. And we give, I mean, well, I'll come back to that. So what's the next one? Cameroon. Prior to recently, I would say, and I'm not too worried about it. We seem to have their number, but they, they've turned it around. Cameroon is playing. Cameroon looks good, man. I don't. Out of all those teams, they're the one I actually don't want to play because they inspire football, and they're, they're bored by beating us in that friendly, even though it was an end of season friendly. That the last yeah, time, yeah, man, that last guy on Guisa, that that boy is looking. And Guisa will, will challenge any of our midfielders. And, run, yeah, and right now, solid, we are man. in the midfield of football. Yeah. Our midfield is non-existent. Cameroon's, with Ang Anguisa alone, seems to be giving them that solidity. But Cameroon, those boys, see, they play with fire when they're playing as Nigeria. That's one thing you know they will do. And right now, we're playing fireless football. We yeah. play with no intensity. We play with no determination. And we go stand up against Cameroon. I don't see those. At the last last, it'll be zero, 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 both legs. But I will, I will, right at this moment, I will pip Cameroon to get that odd goal that will decide the the, uh, the tie. So put Cameroon and Egypt to the side. I, I favor those two countries over us right now, as we speak right now. Then let's move on to Mali. Perhaps that might be our best chance, honestly. Although if you've been watching the African qualifiers, the Malians have been playing some very exciting football, very exciting football, but they've never beaten us in the history. So that, that historical weight is on their shoulder and they seem to fall there. But though, again, those are against Nigerian teams that, that show up. This Nigerian team currently has not been showing up. They just haven't been showing up. They, they can't put away, they can't score. They can't score at home. They can't, their defense once put under any kind of pressure cracks they always look like they're one step away from just making that critical mistake right and we've been playing against teams that just have been of very minimal quality and so we haven't been paying the dear price for it except for uh, maybe the four goals we give up against uh sierra leone and the goal and, and this is at home yeah. by the way, and the goal yeah, we give yeah, yeah. 
Tender, calamitous defending leads to a loss and a, to two losses as far as I'm concerned. Go to Ghana. I don't think we need to say anything else. If Ghana is playing Nigeria, those boys would rather die than walk out of there with a loss. <laughs> and you see, the thing about this final round is it requires fight. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You, you need you need to. This isn't about skill. It's not about you know historical wins. It's about showing up on the day and putting these guys away. That that's pretty much what it's about. There's no other. You know, we haven't shown that at all for the last year, my brother. And and I have to go by what's on tape. Now the last one is DR Congo. People will say, oh Congo, but those boys, a lot of them play together for TP Mazembe, right? Quite yeah. a few of them play together in their local. Their local league is a useful league. It's not one. It's not the league. The league we have in Nigeria that's a useless, non-functional yeah. league. Those guys, they play. Their club side teams go, and even the ones that they play in Europe, they're they're pretty decent guys. They have they have something that holds them together. They're not they're not a scrubby team. You know, they're not scrubs at all. So, oh, home and away. My problem with Nigeria right now is that we cannot. We are home. We have no home field advantage. Yeah, we're playing on a field that's not conducive to our styles. Very small. Although I have to say it was much better in the game against Cape Verde. I mean, they must have worked on it a little bit, so it felt more lushy than bumpy. And it's yeah. still somewhat bumpy. Uh, and then I can't understand. We have no pattern to our play. A lot of people are mad about the Cape Verde match, but for me, my my biggest. Uh, submission was that Liberia match where you're playing on supposedly better field, even though that field wasn't that great either. I don't know, everyone kept playing. It's a great field, though. The field was bumpy. And uh, we, which one? Which one? The one, the one in Benin City? No, the one in Morocco. Oh, in Morocco. Wasn't that great? People, everyone was saying, oh, it's a great field. <clears throat> it was still a bumpy pitch. But still, enough of those excuses. You know, and all these other African countries, when you see Niger played against somebody, I forget, the Mauritanians, they beat them 7-2. Niger, our neighbors, they scored seven goals against a minnow. That same minnow on the Gunnar Raw will struggle, struggle to complete back-to-back passes in the midfield, right? In the midfield, it's just ridiculous, man. Um, what, what do you think? What do you think about all this stuff they were saying? How you know all the? You remember the articles we we, we read about indiscipline. Hena, Hena Cho and uh, some other guys yeah. went to their they went to their rooms. They weren't there. Uh, Balogun and um, what's his name oh, almost came to yeah almost came to fisticuffs in the locker room. And teams falling apart. You know when when I see those sort of things, it, it makes me and then I realize like, okay, the federation is trying to fire this guy. You know, and all of a sudden now someone is leaking all these things out to the press about you know team disunity you start to ask yourself i mean end of the day okay yeah we know you want to fire him we know he's still under contract are you trying to sway public opinion to your side to make a case for firing him hell you don't need to do that because all anyone has to do is watch a game right if you if you if you watch a game and you see our performance you're like okay listen there yeah, but I think sometimes context is important. So I understand what you're saying, and and this is classic Nigerian way of doing things where they leak things. But the question you have to ask yourself: Did these things happen? In fact, I just read another article today where more details came out. So apparently it was Kelechi Anachar, Chigoze Awaziem, and Kenneth Amerowo. Those three guys were the chief culprits that organized a sex party the night before we played Cape Verde. 
They missed curfew, and Gernot Raw decided to kick him off the team. That's what we heard. That's what the story coming out is. The story now says that the NFF president, Amaji Pinnick, came that because he has a good relationship with Kalechi. Kalechi went and complained to him, oh, they see, oh, they're kicking me off the team mode. And then they um Pinnick did not allow that to happen. So undermine Raw's authority. So there's the other thing. Awaziam started that match. From what I understand, it was supposed to be Akwaguma that was going to start ahead of Awaziam because he was a, but then somehow Awaziam started. Now, another report is coming out that saying, no, it was Raw that uh, decided for them to come after talking to them. Whatever the case may be, one thing no one is disputing is the fact that those three guys decided to, on the eve of a very important match, go do something of that nature, which tells you one thing in particular. There's no discipline in camp. That's just what it is. The, and, and, and by the way, they did. They, they did. They won. It was that discipline and that he brought to camp. And if he's lost the one thing that he had going for him, when we're playing bad football, then it's over. It's done. No, but but here's another key, key thing to that. They wouldn't do that at their clubs. You know, Henacho will not try Brendan Rodgers like but, that. But, but, but so, 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 so they wouldn't have done that a year and a half ago under Roar either. So it's something that's that's my point. Something so what happened? What do you on. think happened? Let me let me, let me let me let me give you some scenarios, right? Raw came in disciplinarian. I'm the, I'm I'm the chief gaffer. This is my way. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to run this team, right? He started to implement. It was working. He was getting results. He was bringing in young guys. They were producing. Then he started to get interference from political types, yes. from the Federation, from all these things. He's like, I have a key game. I don't need any distractions. They're like, oh, no, no, bring this senator. He wants to come and meet the boys. Right? And and again, I'm not saying those things happen. But you and I know the possibility of those things happening are very high. But they happened. We saw it live. We, we saw, saw it happen in, in Benin City, right? Yeah, come to play with the pot belly. He's coming out there, said he wanted to He used to play football back That's in the, the day. That was the genesis of all. Yeah, yeah. And then the next the next day, they, they gave up a 4-0 lead. You know what I'm saying? So when you have those sort of distractions consistently, you know, does it matter whether you bring in this Serbian guy, whatever his name is, you know, you bring him in, he's not going to change anything. It's like if the foundation is 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 rotten, if your federation interferes with the ability to create a, 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 a an environment where these guys can prepare properly for a game, then it doesn't matter who you bring in. And that's why you know I agree with you that the, the, they're not passing the eye test. They're not doing the right things. Roar is the yeah. and I, but I'm looking at it and I'm thinking to myself, based on what I know about that federation, I'm thinking to myself. This is more than that. This is more than that. This is this is this is not just about roar. This is about organization. This is about talent identification. This is about coaches' development. This is about this is about political interference. This is I about think, a... I think everything you said all can be true, but there's also some other truths, and we can't absolve Gennett Raw from this. And here, here is where um Here's where I think things started falling apart, like uh, uh, man, you know, Chabé used to write about. Seems like you're frozen on me. Oh, you're back. <clears throat> but anyways, it started falling apart when we started hearing about lack of payment of bonuses and salaries. 
So let's be realistic. You don't get paid for eight months, nine months, whatever number of months. Mm -hmm. I found it odd that Gunnar Raw just stayed on the job and didn't do anything. There's a, there becomes a, a bit of indifference that creeps in. Okay, be that as it may. Okay, quit if you don't like it, but he stayed. Here is the problem that a lot of us Super Eagle fans have had with Gunnar Raw, and it's and I think it's at the heart of the matter. This is it right here. You invite players, new players, to come into camp, right? You don't play them. For a friendly match where this is where you can experiment and try new players, you give the, you bring them on with five minutes left in the game to come do what? You never, you, you're so rigid, you never try on new players. Guys that are, look, you can say political interference and all, but at the end of the day, you can still you make the plays and let them fire you and they'll pay you your severance package. You keep inviting an Ahmed Musa that's stale and useless to the national team. You decide that instead of bringing in Awuni, you're going to bring in a, a guy that's on vacation and retired who has decided that he's, he retired from the national team. No one forced him, by the way. Then he decided, let me leave Manchester United and go to Saudi Arabia and start collecting my pension. And you, that's the man you say, let me bring in to come save the national team. Leaving guys like Chukweze on the bench. Ejuke didn't even play that Is, is Chukweze healthy? He's healthy now. He's, he's playing. He was there. He was there. He didn't get, okay, whatever. Awuni is not invited. We're looking at a guy like Emmanuel Dennis tearing apart uh, Manchester United over the weekend, not getting a call. Okay. I always like to be fair. Emmanuel Dennis is a head case. That one's very, very clear. Even looking at his celebration when he scored his goal, I was a little bit appalled by that celebration he gave. Even his teammates were like, I don't know if you saw the match against Man United. I saw the goal. I saw the match. I saw the highlights. I didn't see he the was the man of the match. He was terrorized. No, he, he terrorized him. He had an assist and he had a beautiful goal. Two yeah. assists and a nice goal at the end. Beautiful assist too. You know, a Walkman like. So the, 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 the rumors around is that Dennis was challenging Royal's authority. And I can understand why to a certain extent. But Dennis has that story floating around him everywhere he goes. When he was in Belgium, he had that issue. When he went to Germany, there were some rumors about it being a head case. And Watford hasn't really... But the kid, a couple of things I don't like. He got suspended for one game for five yellow cards already. We haven't even played uh, 15 matches in the season yet. He already got suspended for five yellow cards. And then he Who, gets a yellow card on his first or second game back. Who, Dennis? Yes, by taking the shirt off. And after scoring that goal and doing just in the 90-something minutes when the game's over, it's not like you scored the goal that – I didn't like that at all. It showed a whole bunch of indiscipline. And also, me, 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 which I can understand any coach and worth his onions not inviting him for that. But based on ability alone – there's no way I meant Musa should be that guy shouldn't be on the 23 man squad. When we look at our best players, our best players. Yeah, you know, you know I met Musa is national, what they call that in federal character. Well, look, okay, <laughs> you know, representation character. based Whatever. on based Whatever. on look based on location. Because think about it. Okay, Shehu, what's his name? Uh, Shehu Abdullahi. Should he be on the team too? Let's be honest. Probably not, but no, I, he plays, it doesn't, he, doesn't he play in like Cyprus or something? Okay, where you play matters to a certain extent, but if you fit into the team, the level, level least, of competition, man. at least do you produce when you come on the team? So I, I don't even care that I met Muzar plays in South. I mean, I care, but you know, at the end of the day, okay, he plays in Turkey, but when he, when he comes on the field, we see that he's not up to that level anymore. He just loses the ball. Non-stop. He was there for five minutes against. 
Cape Verde. Three times he touched the ball. He lost All it. three times he fell down. <laughs> he fell. As soon as it, the ball came and he fell. He fell. He can't even maintain his No, no. And I, I, I was thinking to myself watching that. I said to myself, okay, maybe they just want to give this guy his last few caps. Um, you know, to just... That's the only justification I could have. Because if you really want to go skill for skill, there's no reason why, you know. So anyway, let me finish my point I'm trying to make. And I know I got off on a tangent a bit. The, the, the word coming out of camp is that the players have lost faith in him because it doesn't matter who, how players are performing in practice. That we're saying in practice, guys aren't even doing well, but they'll be keeping their shirts. They're maintaining their shirts. You know, um, things just aren't working. They're not working. You know, I like Moses Simon a lot because he's a hard worker. He's instructions, yeah. but he's not really getting the job done from the perspective of an offensive perspective. We have a guy like Olaina who plays wing back from time to time. Yeah, what you happened know, to him? He sat on the bench for two games. I, if I'm those kind of guy, I'll be pissed. Be so pissed. He was there? He was there now. We wouldn't, they wouldn't play him. You know, Jamilu Collins... He was horrible against Liberia. You know, again, Zaidu Sanusi never got a chance to play. He was so, there? Oh, boy, are you saying what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, the options we have, war is rigid. Now, granted. Yeah, well, man. You, you were making an what's argument. Up, what's wait, 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 wait. Let's talk about this for a second. What's up with the selection, man? How do you, how are you leaving those guys on the bench? Oh, well, I don't know. Educate is, is a monster. Just so like that kid is a monster. Say something that fits him. Grant will say, okay, the results, we got the results. But you and I both know that the results against Cape Verde, Central African Republic, um, what's the other who cares who the other one is? That group was a, should have been a foregone conclusion. If we should have qualified with one game to spare, we should never have been coming down to the last game and Sweating our balls because it's one-one and Cape, Cape Verde almost scored. If not for Ndidi blocking that shot at the end, you did. They had their chance to score. Yeah, well, you know what? You have to ask. You, I think with, with uh, Afcon coming up, we're going to see some things that will make it look better. I think, um, you know, because uh, you have a lot of games. There's a lot. A lot. The camp is longer. You know, depending on who the coach is, I've heard that there are negotiations right now to see how they can terminate the contract. So we'll see. This, but it's all rumor. I don't. It wasn't. It wasn't punch newspaper. But it's all. We'll see what happens. If they are trying to hire this Serbian guy, I have mixed feelings. I'm just like, look, this guy's never coached in Africa. He's never dealt with these guys. You're bringing in a guy who took Serbia to the World Cup and is coaching a Serbia Premier League team. You know, it's just not the same. Um, you know, you come to Nigeria, it's not just a team you have to deal with, you have so much, and then you know, you know, how I feel about they're probably probably not going to fire Salis to Yusuf, they probably still keep him there, even if they like about Eastern Europeans, especially that that Eastern Bloc countries, they don't mince words, they don't don't take nonsense. No, no, do that nonsense you're doing raw, unless the guy himself is part of the deal, and that's that's. You know, of course, NFF has no benefit of the doubt to be given to them anymore, and that's an unfortunate part of it. Where all of a sudden you're looking at these coaches they're bringing in, and you're wondering, is this one part of the deal? Are they bringing him so he can give them some part of his contract and collect money, and then they're getting paid on the side? Because if if you want to be honest with yourself, $2 million is not a lot of money. 
NFL should have $2 million with all the money they get from FIFA. All, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't want to hear that nonsense that we don't have money to pay off Raw. Who decided to this, decided to make such a blatantly bad contract to a severance package for a, an underachieving guy like Gennett Raw? But it's, 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 it's the deal they sign with all these coaches, man. You bring in a coach, especially if the coach is an expert like that, the salary is guaranteed in the event of termination. You know, he gets paid his salary until he finds another job. So it's it's all of them get those deals. But here's the crazy part. If Raw was Nigerian, it'd be a lot easier to terminate that contract because they would force him into a different type of deal. You never heard about any termination of contract issues with Olise. You never heard about any challenges when they fire Siasia. You never heard about, you see what I'm saying? None of these things were an issue. They didn't, they didn't see them through their full contract. Um, so, you know, and, and that's the thing that you have to look at. And another thing is, you know, some people are arguing, oh, you know, we could get a Nigerian coach. Problem is, a Nigerian coach is not, it's not competence. If you get someone like, if you need some of these guys have earned their stripes, it's not confidence. It's, 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 they would expect that he should understand. You see what I'm saying? And that would be the problem. And if he doesn't understand, then they will label him as a problem. Yes, and then they'll make life more difficult for him. More difficult for him. Yeah, yeah. and I think I, I agree with you. Right now, at this moment in time, uh, in our development, a Nigerian coach, although I, I do believe we need, for us to really get it right, we need to get our coaches right. But it's not the coaches. It's the interference. It's the system. It's the system. Yeah, that's my point. That You know, it's, 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 it's always been the system. And that's why the whole thing... I, I, I'm with you on the whole raw thing not performing. And if you're not performing, you need to go. But for for the way I look at the bigger picture, it's the whole. If if it wasn't raw, it'll be someone else. We'll be going through this. If it was, it was Birdie Vokes at one point. It was uh, Halesovich. It was uh, the Swedish guy. It was you know. End of the day, what it is is the system is flawed. You know, their system of managing the game, of of development, of everything is just totally flawed. So you bring in a guy just to pick a bunch of mercenaries across Europe, which is what our players are, let's be honest. These are mercs. They go out for the highest bidder. They play their game. They get paid. We bring them together and try to bring them under the umbrella to play. And by the way, it's gotten worse because some of these mercs we're bringing in weren't born and raised in Nigeria. Some of them don't understand, truly understand, what a Nigerian Cameroon game means. You know what I mean? They don't fully get it. It's different from when 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 we went in 1994, you couldn't, there was no mistake about it that Anolise or Finiti or none of these, all those guys knew when you play Ghana, they knew what the implications of that game. They knew what it meant. They knew how much of they were themselves they were going to put on the line. A lot of these guys, <laughs> maybe Aniwobi might know because of his uncle. But let's be honest, a lot of these guys, they're looking at it as a meal ticket so they could play in a World Cup. Yep. That's it. That's it. Half of them probably wouldn't be playing for Nigeria. Let's not kid ourselves about this. So it, it's it's that kind of thing. And you have to ask yourself, man, you're bringing a coach to get all these mercs, bring them on an umbrella, get them organized, and play games and win. Well, that's what we're bringing you for. That's what we're paying you for. Then we – look. I hear what you're saying, and that's good. But when Nigeria is not unique with those problems in terms of, you know, mercenary players per se, 
But I mean, it's football, man. At the end of the day, it's a result-based business. Yeah, so, yeah, man. man. It is. It is just, it's just, it's just for me. Just, it just stinks to heaven because when you, know. you when you look, so when you look at the out the output, the input doesn't result. The output and the input don't converge. The talent, the, the amounts of talent we have at our disposal, yeah, what we what we're seeing on the field does not even correlate at all, at all, at all. It doesn't even one up one bit. So it was at some point we were trending up, but I think I detailed in one of the previous uh, podcasts. I detailed when I gave Raw a score card based on increments in different time periods. I detailed when things started going wrong, and I've always maintained Raw should have been fired after the World Cup. Should have been fired after the World Cup. It hasn't gotten it hasn't gotten better since it, it's been that was the that was it. Maybe a little rise towards AFCON, we qualify for. But again, qualifying for AFCON now doesn't mean jack. The 24 countries are qualified. If Nigeria can't make it to AFCON with 24 countries, then we should just close our football program down. We should be qualifying for every single AFCON, no questions asked. Because it's 24 countries. When people argue, oh, before Raw came, we couldn't qualify for AFCON. Yes, you're right. And that's no excuse. We should always qualify anyway. But it was 16 countries then. They've increased it to 24. So even countries like Mauritania now are going for back-to-back AFCONs. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Countries like Namibia know that they can make it AFCON now. So Nigeria should never be an issue. So qualifying for those tournaments, I don't look at that as any kind of achievement when your group consists of Petrol Station, United, uh, Angola FC, and some backwater country. That you know, what, what gives a rat behind that you qualified <laughs> With two games to spare against us, that's the bare minimum. Well, you see, here's the thing: in-game input. Gernot Roar has not shown that he's able to give me any in-game input for the most part. Yeah. After the World Cup, he showed but, that. But, but you see, here's the thing, though, right? And and, and right, right before we go, um, he's if you look at the metrics they set for him, these met they were after the World Cup, they were low. Right. Let, let's be honest. What, what, if and if you if you really want to make the argument in favor of Roar, he's met every one of them. Oh, of course, he's met them. But we all know right? meeting them is one thing, but how you meet them matters to us. Not yeah, here. but but if, if someone tells and, you, and, okay. And the other part too is like, and then this is the same thing I've been saying from day one: is not qualifying for this next last round of playoffs that matters because we should be there anyway. That one we can we should we should have slept with our second team. We would be in that. We should be in any competent coach would get our second team into the next round again in that Cape Verde, Central African Republic, and Liberia. It's the fact that when you look at what we're playing, we know with our heart of hearts that we are not going to scale through that second, that playoff round at this rate. So a change needs to be made. It will be made. At this point, it doesn't even matter because I think it's become toxic now that his position is untenable. The players have already shown they don't respect him anymore. So they're not, it looks like they're not even playing out there and listening to any instructions is given. It's over, man. So it's it's not a matter of buyout because we can't have him back at this point. We'll like, would you go play for him at this? They've undermined him completely already. Once you've yeah. undermined the man, he has nothing to say to the player. The player ain't gonna listen to him. Yeah, yeah. We need to stop inviting Paul Noachu. We need to stop inviting Onoachu, um, Igalo, Musa. Those three guys should not see our camp anymore. The defenders, Truce Ekong, needs to sit up. He's lost form completely, and if he can't sit up and play, his defense is defenders calamitous. We need to find a new group of central defenders. Axe um, Omero should never be invited to camp again. Kalechi Ianacho, 
should be suspended, not allowed to come for that nonsense he pulled off. And Chico Rivera Wazir needs to also face a fine. We, we need to restore order and discipline back in camp and boost the morale of the boys. But right now, I guarantee you the morale of the boys is at a low ebb. So forget about the coach. Wherever the new coach is, what we need to do is restore that morale that we had at the beginning of Gernot Raw's era that somehow he's eroded over the last few years. But it means we need to pay the boys their um, outstanding bonuses and keep paying them on time or whatnot. But that needs to be done. Yeah, the Federation definitely needs to get in, get its act in order. I think that's where the key is. Boara, brother, thank you so much. We've reached our time limit. My man, let's watch this space. We'll connect again and uh, kind of review some of these things we're talking about. AFCON yes, is six weeks away. It is. It is. Especially when once we know who we're going to play. I wonder when, the, when does that come out? We know when, who we're playing now. First match is Egypt. No, 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 AFCON. Oh, December 18th. I'm talking about I'm talking about the qualifiers, World Cup qualifiers, December 18th. Yeah. Okay. All right, my man. Peace, love, hair grease. Enjoy your time in Cali. Till the next time, my brother.